church. How, how many of you know Jesus has given to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom? Now, that's a very important piece of knowledge because that means that you have the powers to shut the gates of hell. You have authority in Jesus' name to literally, under the power, under the authority of that name that has been, you've been baptized into, there is power literally to see the captive set free. You have that authority. You have the freedom to bind, to loose, to come into situations. God has given you the power to proclaim and declare those kind of things. Now, one of the things, like I said here just a minute ago, many times when you begin to step out in faith, you begin to move in faith. It does, and I don't want to scare anybody, but I'm going to say it anyway. You invite the onslaught of the enemy when you begin to stand on the promises of God's Word. Let me tell you, the devil does not bother anyone who does not read the Bible. He doesn't bother anybody who's not believing him for anything. He's not a, you're not a threat. If you never raise your voice, if you never pray, if you're never standing on God's Word, if you never pray for the sick... You are never going to be bothered. In fact, you're probably just smoothly sailing, actually, right into deception. Because how many of you know you're, you're either hot or you're cold? You're in or you're out. There's no such thing as this middle ground, lukewarm, tolerant Christianity. You're on fire or you're dead. There's just no way you're in the middle. You're not, you can't be lukewarm. And so God is uh, really speaking to us. He's speaking to this church. And, I, and Derek, I, I just so appreciate that testimony today and just how God can use things that we wouldn't even think, like texting. Uh, how, how many of you know that even uh, Peter in, the, in, in John's uh, Acts chapter 5, the Bible says that even under the shadow of Peter, they laid, if they could just catch the shadow of Peter, they were even healed. Now, we're, we're not here just trying to focus on signs, wonders, and miracles for the sake of just setting up an exhibition. No, we believe that the power, remember what Jesus said, the works that I do are a witness that my Father is with me. And so when we begin to proclaim, and one of the things that we're doing is just raising the awareness of the power and the life of God that you already have. We need to begin to take those opportunities and to begin to speak that power and that life in those given situations. And it's just something that we need to do. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads in a word of prayer this morning because I, I really have a word from the Lord this morning. And I, I really feel the Lord has is, is, uh, been speaking to me on some things that, that really involve the new wine it involves us shifting gears. It involves us moving from natural-minded thinking to supernatural thinking. Uh, moving from living by feelings, living by circumstances, and really becoming people of faith. I mean, really living not by our faith, not by mental faith, not by intellectual, not circumstantial faith, but James refers to a faith that is a living faith. Everyone say living. 
God wants your faith to be alive. And for that mean to be alive, that means your faith is active. It's moving. It's, it's working. It's a working faith. It's a faith that has such power that when you speak the word, demons literally flee. When you speak, you actually... Now listen, even when your faith is active, you might even make some people mad. Because, oh, what are you talking about Christianity? You're just too, getting too excited about God. That can happen. I remember years ago, 22 years ago, when my wife and I, we moved from Portland, Oregon, and we were coming down to Dallas, Texas to pastor this church 22 years ago. I had some family. They, they, in fact, some of them were Christians. I actually didn't have any problem with the non-believing uh, family on our side, but, but some of the believers. I, I remember my grandmother says, why? Why are you taking my great-grandsons away from me and going to Texas? Isn't there any churches in Portland that you can pastor? And I said, Grandma, it's not about moving to Texas to take your great-grandchildren away from you. I said, do you know that there is what the Bible refers to as the call of God? And God has been speaking to my wife, and God confirmed it through uh, our pastors and through apostolic and prophetic ministry. And so we moved here by faith. How many of you know that Abraham was called out of the land of his fathers and from his kindred and from his culture to a land that I will show you? Sometimes when you begin to move in the things of the Spirit, those that are around you may say, what are you doing this for? Why are you doing this? You're, you're kind of shaking up what we've, we've had. We've, we've been comfortable in our little nest. Anytime you move in the things of the Spirit, it might bring some, a little bit of agitation. But I do want you to know that now many of those family members look back and they say, Ray, you, you, you made the right call. It was God. It's... Uh, and many of them at the time, they don't see it that way. But that's why we walk by faith. Today we're going to talk about living by faith. Amen? Because I believe the Lord is calling us into some things that's going to require us to have eyes to see into the world of the invisible. We're not going to walk by sight. Our nation, our culture is addicted to living by its feelings. We, are, we buy things. We, we live. We are impressed. Uh, there, if you watch any amount of television, you go to movies, everything appeals to the senses. We live in a society today that lives and does what it does by how it feels. There are some people today that probably didn't come to church because they didn't feel like it there are people today that break up in their marriage because they feel like there there is no hope we live we're, we're addicted to our feelings it's amazing how attached we are to our feelings aren't we now god gave us feelings and god wants you to feel but he does not want your feelings to take dominion over your your life and your decisions your feelings are not to lead your life. Your feelings are the result of you becoming a man and a woman of principle. 
You live by the principles or the promises of God. The word, the the will of God directs your life. And as you begin to live by the will of God, you begin to experience feelings of peace. You can experience the feeling at times of joy. Now, we don't live by those things, but God did, did give us feelings. But He wants us to become people of faith this morning. And I want you, if you can take your Bibles and jump with me into John's Gospel, chapter 5. But before we go there, I want to, uh, Sheree, if you can help me go through some scriptures. I want you to look at some of these scriptures in Romans 1 and three other texts before we get into John. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, say this with me, this last phrase, the just shall live by faith. Say it again. The just shall live by faith. And notice what he says, the result. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. What that means is this is that when you are confronting any kind of problems in your flesh or weaknesses, you can by faith understand and say with assurance that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am righteous. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace because you're no longer a slave under the law. You are now a son and a daughter of God under the grace of God. God has now transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, For as He is, so are we in the world. Well, how is He? He's righteous. He's holy. He's above reproach. He's a faithful God. The Bible says, for as He is. That means that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, your mortal bodies will be quickened. That means that there is nothing in this life that has dominion over you. You are not an addict anymore. You are not an alcoholic survivor. No, you are more than a conqueror. A survivor, all a survivor does, is a survivor counts the days that he's been sober. We see in the Gospel, when we understand the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross, the concept of the atonement and justification means as though you were never even a sinner. That's how powerful our atonement is. It is though you had never sinned at all. That's how powerful it is. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, boy, I sure got some memories of my backslidden past and my broken life and uh, I, I sure have a lot of those kind of things why does the Lord allow us amen to remember those things well I believe the Lord allows us to remember those things amen because it, it does help us it does teach us and it does in one sense it doesn't keep us but it helps us to remember our former days but the Bible also says we're to forget those things which are behind We're to press towards those things which are before. But it says the just 
shall live by faith. If we could go to the next slide here. Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Praise God. That means right there that I'm not going to listen to my body. Not going to, I'm, I'm in the world, I'm not of the world. I'm going to listen to the spirit man. The Bible says those who are carnally minded leads to death. But to be spiritually minded leads to life. Now being spiritually minded doesn't mean that you put on a zoot suit and look religious and be weird. No, being spiritual is very normal. Do you know why? Because you're created in God's image and you were created in the very likeness of God to have fellowship with God the Father. You were created in such a way to live a life that's abundant, to live a life that's holy, to live a life where your relationships are healthy and working. Do you know that you were created that way? You were created to live a life with joy. And yet today, we live in a world where they think that rebellion is the norm. We believe that sin is the norm. Decadence is the norm. Divorce is the norm. That's the way the world thinks. But that's not the kingdom of God. You see, we're a, we're a people living in a kingdom who refuse, who, re, who do not react to the flesh because we're crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I, and by the way, just to let you know, Ray Galligan, yes, Ray Galligan still lives in this mortal fleshly body. And even when I got up this morning at 5.30 to get ready to come over to New Life Fellowship, and my wife and I were in prayer this morning at 5.36, 7. Even when I got up this morning, my feet were killing me. I had some stress in my toes, and, and, and I had a lower backache going down my left leg, and you know what? I, it hurt. Now, I didn't say, that backache is not there. I didn't go. And some people in their walk, they say, oh, that, I, don't, I don't confess the pain. Now, you don't have to be like that. That's not what God, God didn't ask you to live in a state of denial. But what he did say is that you are not going to allow those things to take dominion over the decisions of your walk. What I do is I rebuke the pain. I say, body, line up. Come into alignment. Everyone say, line up. Line up. You see, you've got to speak to your flesh. Living the crucified life says, you know, flesh, by the way, how many of you know that you're not psychotic? You're not weird. But you have, the Bible talks about the mind of the spirit and the carnal mind, which is the mind of the flesh. And you see, when we were born and conceived in sin and born, our flesh, for the most part of our life, it's had dominion over our thinking. The soul is the neutral part of your, uh, of your life. You're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And that whatever has dominion over the soul is who rules the man. If your flesh has ruled over your mind most of your life, then you're a, probably a person that's given to a lot of impulsive thoughts. You're given to things on how you feel. Well, I don't feel good. And so because I don't feel good, I'm not going to go to church. 
because I don't feel good, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to hold my offense. I'm not going to forget because you hurt me. See, that's a person who's under the dominion of the flesh. The flesh rules them. Those are the kind of people you've got to walk in pins and needles around. You don't know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable. But when you're around a man or a woman that's living by the Spirit, they're usually predictable. They're, they're, they're the kind of an individual. They're living by faith. They're not ruled by circumstances or feelings. They're not allowing the, the things around them to rob and destroy their peace because they are not of this world. You see, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And that peace, now by the way, you know what peace is. Jesus is that peace. And so when he says here, I no longer live. <clears throat> and the life that I allow live in the flesh, I live by faith. Not my faith, but it's the faith that has been quickened by the living word. The Son of God who loved me. Everyone say he loved me. And gave himself for me. He loves me. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you. Amen. He loves you, and He's given you that life. You have abundant life. Now that life, some people think, well, that's just life eternal and the life to come. No. Jesus wants you to know that you have eternal life now. And about, well, pastor, aren't we all going to die? The Bible says it's appointed for man to die. Yeah. No, Jesus said that you're actually only going to go to sleep. You see, when you, when you actually, when your body breaks down someday, and we all will die a physical death, it says you're not dead, you're sleeping. You really don't die. What you do is you move from one dimension into another dimension, and you are going to move right into eternity in the kingdom, in the bosom of Abraham, or you'll go into hell. But there's, there is one or two places every man is going to go to. And you determine that place and you determine that decision by who you follow jesus said my sheep hear my voice and they follow me so my question to you is what has the most powerful influence in your life what has the most dominant influence in your life sigmund freud atheism humanism what takes the dominion of your... What, what influence? And those are important questions. Let's go to the next uh, uh, slide. Hebrews 10 says this, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Can you say amen? amen. God is doing a work right now. I was, I was in prayer like I said earlier this year in fasting, and I began to ask the Lord a question. I said, Lord, I want you to show us your glory. I didn't realize what I was asking. You know, usually when you ask God to show you his glory, you desire for him to show up and, and just open the heavens and 
send the rain from heaven, and that's what, what, what we all hunger and thirst. We all hunger for his presence, and it's his presence that is the most important thing in his life because it's, it's our relationship with him. But as I began to ask that prayer, the Lord indicated to me that there's a price to pay. For those who want God's glory in their life, there is a price. And uh, we need to understand this. It's not about works. It's not about doing anything. But the price is a surrendered life. It's literally surrendering ourselves. Jesus said, very simply, he says, if any man is going to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And you, we can focus on all the, the negative things, but Jesus said that, that he promised us abundant life. And so as we begin to follow him, as we begin to grow to know him, as we come to know the word of God, what happens is that the word of God reveals the heart of God the Bible says that faith works by love. The most important thing that sustains your faith is your relationship to God, to the Lord. One of the reasons why people don't, they fall out of faith or they lose faith. The Apostle Paul even says in Timothy, when he was talking to this young minister, he was tutoring in his ministry, he said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. And many will depart from the faith. There's another passage I want you to jump with me, and that's into Hebrews chapter 2. Before we go to John 5, jump with me to Hebrews 2. I know I'm reading some scriptures this morning. But I think that these passages are important for us to inheriting the promises. Listen to what it says, verse 1. Hebrews 2, 1. Therefore we must give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. It says that if you do not pay attention to what you're hearing, the Bible says in verse 1, chapter 2, Hebrews 2, 1, it says if you don't pay attention to what you're hearing, you will drift away. That's what it says. Lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression, disobedience received a reward, how shall we escape if we neglect a so great a salvation at first to be confirmed? by us, by those who heard Him. Can you say amen? We need to receive the Word of God. Jump over with me to Hebrews 4, verse 1 also. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering in, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have, seem to have come short of it. Let us fear. And that doesn't mean to be afraid, but in other words, let's be cognizant. Let's be careful. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as it was to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed 
with faith in those who heard it. Everyone say profit. God wants you to profit. Jump over with me to Mark chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Reading some scripture. How many of you got your Bibles this morning? I know some of you may not have Bibles. You have cell phones with Bibles on it. That's okay. Just shut the ringer off. Amen. Praise God. Listen to what Jesus says. John 5. This is the foundation of our faith. Most assuredly, John 5, 24, most assuredly I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. It's not enough to hear the word, but we got to believe. How many of you know that faith comes by hearing, but a lot of people just hear words, but they really don't hear him. We've got to hear Him, not just hear a word. We need to hear Him speak through the Word. Who sent me, who sent me, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You have already passed from death into life. Do you know that you have eternal life in you right now if you're a believer? You are not living just in this world. The Bible says we're in the world, we're not of the world. Jesus' prayer in John or Matthew 5 was that His prayer was that Thy kingdom come, Thy will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then He says, verse 25, Most assuredly I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. Everyone say now. The hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice. Are you hearing the voice? Are you hearing the Holy Spirit this morning? He didn't say the hour is coming someday. He said the hour is coming, and now is where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. Jump over with me to John 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus is concerned that people in His day were experiencing a religion. They were experiencing a religion, but not having the life of God in them. There was no life because they had no faith. Verse 28, Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of Myself, but as My Father taught Me, I speak these things, and He who sent Me is with Me. The Father has not left Me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed in Him. Now, notice verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Abide. 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 Abiding. Abiding. Abiding in the Word. What are you abiding in? I'm abiding. Abiding. Everyone is abiding in something. 
There's something that you are connected with. There's something that you draw your life from. When you abide, you are drawing. You are eating. You are drinking. You are breathing. You are feasting. And you are drawing that life. You see, Jesus intended for you to eat, sleep, drink Him. Because He said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When you are a free man, a free woman, there is something about you that becomes very radical. There's something about you that becomes very tenacious. There's something about you that is on fire. You just love to talk about the Lord. People will actually look at you and say, you know, you just you make me uncomfortable. You're just always wanting to talk about the Lord, and I'm just not into the, not, into the Lord all that much. You know, let's, let's keep Sunday where Sunday belongs. But, you know, uh, uh, but folks, if you want the atmosphere of the power and the presence and the glory of God, we need to be abiding in Him. Amen? Now, here's the powerful thing. Jesus says that if you abide in Him, if my Word abides in you, you have life. Now what that simply means is this. You are right now seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're seated with Him. And there's something about you that can change the situation. Jump over with me to Mark. Mark chapter 5. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 5. You have the power within you to see things change and transform. Matthew chapter 5 you all know this very powerful story. When Jesus was going to a synagogue, or to, to, to a ruler of a synagogue, Jarvis was his name. His daughter was sick at the point of death. And notice what Jarvis says in Mark chapter 5, verse 23. He begged him and says, Lord, my, my daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Notice what he says, because he witnessed things. Just come and lay your hands, and my daughter will be healed and she will live. Now, do you know that you have that same power? My wife and I have been laying hands on more sick people than ever. We are laying hands, and by the way, if you know I just read something with, about Smith Wigglesworth. He says, I never go to a cemetery and I will never go to a funeral with flowers to mourn. He says, mourning at any funeral is a sign of death. The only thing believers should do at any funeral is raise the dead. That's called radical faith. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I, I, I remember... I, I had a gentleman that used to attend our church here several years ago, and, and I don't fault him in this sense, but he called me up and he said, Pastor, we need to put our brother on a prayer chain. A, a, a man in our, my place of employment is at the point of death. The wife has called and sending out prayer chain. Let's, we all need to pray because, in fact, the doctors have given up stage four cancers, gone through all the chemo. He's dying. Hospice has come. And uh, they were calling me and asking me if I wouldn't mind doing the funeral. And I asked the gentleman who was calling me, who used to attend the church, I said, he's not dead yet. I know, but he's the, doc, the doctor said he's going to die. I said, time out. You have the power 
to heal the sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Pastor, I know. I, I know, yeah. I know healing is for some. No. No, I said, we, we need to stop. We, we need to believe God. Let's, let's intervene here. Now, I want you to understand that the, train, the, the way of thinking among family and, and the other employers, employment, was, well, he's going to die because the doctor said. We as believers need to radically make some changes and say, wait a minute, we, live a, we serve a God who heals the sick. Now, and, and, uh, and we, we need to stand, we need to oppose those kind of things. We need to cast out some devils, and we need to believe God for healing. Now, I understand that this is, and I'm just to be honest with you, there's been times I've prayed for people they haven't always got healed. Some have. Uh, I haven't yet raised a dead man. Uh, the best I've gotten is a twitch. But at least I'm praying that God will raise the dead man. At least I'm laying hands on dead people. Amen. Uh, and you may say, Pastor, you are crazy. I know it and I love it. You haven't seen anything yet. You know, uh, but keep in mind, when Jesus was going to the house of Jairus, the, the story here is that there's a woman in the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she spent all that she had on doctors and only got worse. By the way, I don't know about you, I was a contractor. And usually, I usually don't get paid until the job is done. It's amazing that she paid these doctors before she, they even did anything that helped her. But here this woman only got worse and worse, and the doctors gave up on her. And by the way, I believe that this story is very prophetic of our generation today because it speaks of people that are bleeding, people that are hurting, people that are feeling a sense of rejection because of the defilement by, by the way, under the Jewish laws that they had here in the Bible, uh, a woman who had these particular physical ailments were not allowed to even come and offer sacrifice in the temple. They were ceremonially unclean, and they were forbidden to come into the temple. So not only does she have the problems of her physical problems, but she has the stigma of this rejection that she couldn't even come, and even the clothes, anything that she touched, any person she touched, or if anyone knew about this thing, would be considered unclean. So she lived a life of, of, of loneliness, isolation, depression, physical ailment, and yet in this situation, this woman begins to speak to herself. How many of you know we serve a God who loves people to talk to themselves? If anybody ever says to you, you're kind of crazy, you better say, no, I'm really normal. Because in this passage, we find that this woman, somewhere in her history, she heard the story about Jesus. And she heard that Jesus actually looks upon the crowd. He has compassion over sinners. Luke 15 says that Jesus would sit and eat with sinners. They felt so comfortable with him. That's why the Pharisees got so mad that Jesus was comfortable. By the way, 
Those sinners were not clean, nice little sinners. They probably had a foul mouth. They probably spoke some profanity. They probably had pot and marijuana and drugs. And oh yeah, they had pot back in those days too. They were probably drunks. They probably had tobacco on their breath. They probably had a whole lot of stuff. And you know what Jesus did? He just went over and he just loved those sinner men. Praise God. He says, you know what? I, I, I don't see all the filth and the problem. I see you as a human being. I see you as a son and a daughter, not a slave, not a reject, not a sinner. I see you as my kids and I'm loving, I'm embracing you. And he loved them out of their condition. May God open the eyes of the church to stop looking at sinners like they're sinners and start seeing them as children of God who He died for and He doesn't want you to start... Ooh, they're sinners. No! Go over and hug a sinner. Hug a drunk. I'm going to get a t-shirt. Hug a drunk. Hug a drunk. Love them. Well, pastor, they're sinners and they're defiled. Yes, they are. But Jesus died, already paid the price. And God, Jesus said, you are his hands. You are his feet. And you can love him into the kingdom. The miracle, the greatest miracle is not just healing people physically. The greatest healing is when we begin to apply the love and the compassion and the vision and the hope that you pour into people that gives them the power and the ability to say, wow, there's hope for me. See, you know what? I, I asked the Lord several years ago. In fact, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Ray, I'm going to send you people that others will reject. And I'm saying, Lord, send all the people that other churches don't want. I want all the people that others... You know why? Because God chooses the weak. He chooses the foolish things that... I mean, you know, some, some of us think that we're, well, I, I'm not a bad sinner. I, uh, you know, I haven't smoked and drank, and uh, praise God, I've been, you know, I've been a kind of a clean sinner. No, you're just as filthy and rotten as the rest of them. You're not any better. There, there's no such thing as stages of bad sinners. We're all dead and going to hell until Jesus saved us, until we received the grace in that time. But, but God really once remember what jesus said he says to whom much is given much is uh to whom much has been forgiven much the same loves much and so when it comes to our faith here uh we need just to ask god to really open our eyes to your exceeding grace because here is this woman in this state of brokenness she's bleeding she's broke She's tired, possibly angry and bitter. She's alone. And the Bible says that she says to herself, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, if I can reach and touch the hem, I'll be made whole. Let me tell you, folks, do you know that she was already healed before she touched? Because the, 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 the power of the faith wasn't in the touch. The faith was based on the knowledge that she already had because of what she already heard. She knew. She knew. 
And when she began to, everyone say reach. I call it reaching. Some of you this morning, you need to reach out. And you need to receive this morning. You need to reach out and receive his grace. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, you don't know how bleeding and broken and bad I am. But you know what? The, that's what released his grace. That's what released that healing power. And the Bible says, <laughs> I love this. It says she suffered many things. Immediately, everyone say immediately. immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt, she felt in her body. Here's feelings. She actually felt it. That she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around. The crowd said, who touched me? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. Here's a woman now just opens her life, and he says, daughter. I love this. He says, daughter. He actually uses this term to let her know that he embraces her into the, into the covenant family. He doesn't just call her woman. He says, daughter, I want you to know I embrace you as my own. He calls her daughter for a reason because under the law, she was rejected, but he, re he re receives her, says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your aff affliction. I, wanna, I want you to write four things down about walking by faith. Four things, really quick, and I'm closing here. When we live by faith... Faith needs to be, number one, intentional. How many of you know faith, to live by faith means we live intentionally? We live with a sense of expectancy. I believe we need to intentionally live by faith. In other words, that means that when I live and walk by faith, when I speak by faith, I intend, I expect to see results. I live in to live by faith means you take the lead. Living intentionally means you're not waiting for other, other people. You are taking the lead in your walk. Do you, know where, do you know why God has sovereignly placed every single one of you where you're at? Because He intends for you in that dark place to shine your light. He wants you to be intentional in your faith. That means that you have the word of wisdom. You have the word of knowledge. You have a prophetic word. You have revelation. You have the answers to the questions that people are answering. You've got to live intentionally. You are a friendly guy. You're a friendly gal. You're a magnet. I hear Christians say, oh, nobody wants to talk to me. I'm boring. Oh, nobody wants to be around me. Oh, I, I don't know the Bible. I haven't been to Bible college. Those are nothing but excuses and lies of the enemy, and you need to pull down those strongholds. You are a mighty woman and a mighty man of God. You live intentionally. You're the best friend. You're the best employee. You're a great father. You're a great mom. You've got the best marriage. Oh, Pastor Ray, you're saying things that are really not true. I know the facts. No, we don't live by facts. We live by faith. Yeah, but you just don't know what we went through. I know we don't know what you went through. But if God be for us, who can be against us? We're standing on the promises. We are living intentionally. I intend to live the rest of my life with my wife. And I intend to see every year get better and better and better. I am living intentionally. 
I intend to look at all of you. All of you are winners. You are not going to be losers. You're going to go from glory to glory. I will not look at you, and I'm not going to look down at you. I'm not going to look and think of anything less. If you come to me with a problem, I'm going to say, you have the answer. You come to me and say, Pastor, I need counseling. I'm going to say, no, you don't. You've got God. Well, Pastor, is that an excuse to get out of counseling? No. I'm trying to get your dependence off man and get it onto God. You know, let me tell you something. You don't want Ray Galligan anyway. You don't want his wisdom. You want his knowledge. Not mine. That's not an excuse. By the way, I do love you. And I do want you to know that I, will be, I love to talk with you and I would counsel you. But I am going to direct you to him. Amen. We live in, living by faith means to live intentionally. Number two, living by faith means to live radically. That means that we're going to think outside the box. Oh, God's going to, sometimes he's going to do like you, what he did with Abraham. You may be barren, you may be dry, you may feel like, man, you're going really nowhere in life, your life is over, and God's going to say, hey, I've called you to be the father of nations. Radical faith means that you are thinking outside the box, believing, calling those things, you may call it, name it, and claim it, if you want to blab it and grab it, feel free to do it. But I'm here to tell you that we need to understand that living by faith means that we're learning to get outside the boat and learning to walk on some water. We're learning to be radical in our faith. Now, I do want to say this. I'm not saying that we're going to be stupid. I do believe that there are times that I've seen Christians operate outside of counsel. They will operate outside of the wisdom of God's Word. We need to walk within the wisdom and the principles of God's Word. And there are some things that people, Christians, do in the name of the Lord and things like this. Oh, Father God, I just, I just pray right now you give me the six digits for the lottery in Jesus' name and I'll promise to tithe. No, you won't. If you're not tithing now, you won't tithe even when you get a million bucks. I'm not kidding you. There's a lot of people who make promises. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to tithe. You're not tithing now. You've got to start where you're at. But, but being radical, living radical is where you begin to embrace God's high calling. You begin to realize and you come into the knowledge that, wow, God has something that is abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. You've got to begin to see yourself with the glory of God, God's, this anointing that is on top of you, that's in you, that's on you. You are really the answer to your generation. You are a friendly, you are an attractive, you have wisdom, there is life in you. You have real solutions to our world's problems. You are Jesus in the flesh. The Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not just to give you a spiritual buzz and speak in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was so you would be endued with power to be able to function and operate under the authority as Jesus did on earth. The same power that he had is on you. In fact, he even said this, greater works. Greater. Everyone say greater. Greater, greater influence. Greater knowledge. You're going to have some greater breakthroughs. Well, Pastor Ray, you see, I just don't believe that. Well, you're not going to see it until you start saying it, speaking it, believing it. You've got to call those things that are not as though they are. I was talking to a person who was having a habit recently. You know, Pastor, I just got a habit. I can't seem to break this habit. I said, yes, you can. You, do you know that you're already delivered from your habit? No, I'm not. 
No, I'm not. I keep falling back into that. I said, no, you're already free. You already know the truth. Jesus has already made you free. He says, well, how do I, how do I walk in that victory then? How, how do I walk in that sustained victory? Here's how you do it. You've got to visualize. You've got to visualize your life walking in that victory. You've got to envision yourself in that place of victory. See, everything starts with vision. Number three, living by faith, living supernaturally. Walking by faith means I live supernaturally. In other words, when is the last time when you've had a problem that you actually prayed and believed God for a miracle? When's the last time in facing a problem? It could be a small problem. I remember uh, just recently, I got a flat tire in my Ford pickup. My wife and I, we were actually going fishing. And uh, uh, we were on our way up to Lake Texoma. And uh, a, a tire on the boat went flat. And it couldn't have been in the worst place. I mean, there was no side. And I'm saying, Lord, oh, in Jesus' name, I need a miracle. Because there was no place. And I literally prayed. I said, Father... Hold the air in this tire until we can get off on, onto a shoulder. And the Lord was gracious. Because as soon as I found the place of his shoulder, that tire went, I mean, just flattened. I, that was, it was God. It was God. In fact, it was so funny. I was on the phone with Randy Kinnear when that flat hit. I mean, do you know that God wants to move for you and, and speak to you even in situations like that? Um. Just weird things even. You ought to call on the Lord on, on simple things. Weird things, crazy things. Live supernaturally. Do you know that if you're looking for a loaf of bread, some discount in the store, some groceries, you can ask the Lord, Lord, show me where I can get a good buy. Father, I just need your help. I need to learn to save and manage my money. Lord, direct my steps to get a good discount. That's not a bad request. That's practical. That's healthy. Father, lead me, even to go to the right doctor, even in prayer. By the way, I believe in going to doctors too with praying for the sick. It's okay. Lord, give us wisdom in those things. Here's another one, living supernaturally. When you are in a big fight with your wife or your husband, great time to start speaking in tongues. Amen. Oh, pastor, that's sacrilege. No, it gives the devil a black eye. There have been times when my wife and I, in the heat of the battle, we're going at it. We disagree. She stepped on my toes. I'm offended. Now I want to punish her with silence and not even talk to her for three days. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, Ray, what are you preaching about? Lord, not now. Give me some time to punish her. Just give me some time. I need time to just be away from her. I'm not kidding. I, I'm not feeling lovey-dovey. And all of a sudden, I will come. It's actually been happening. I will come back. I said, Carol, we need to pray. And we will pray, and tears flow, and I'm speaking. We're praying. All of a sudden, the love of God comes, and the peace settles in the marriage. It's amazing. That fast. Now, you've got to... Be willing to let go of your pride. The Bible says where there is strife, there's pride. And where pride is, you'll always find strife. The last thing, super, I could go on living patiently. Everyone say patiently. Living by faith means you need to live patiently. 
You have need of endurance after you've done the will of God. Why patiently? Do you know that God could come down and give you every answer to every prayer? Do you know that God has the power to instantaneously give a miracle? I mean, God could be Santa Claus. He could. He could come down. But what good would that do you? Do you remember Joseph? Joseph in the Bible was given a promise. Two dreams. What were the two dreams? Ah, your stars are going to be the brighter. Your bushels will be the bigger. And he goes and he blabs to his brothers, and his brothers hated him. He gets a dream. How many here have ever had a dream? Dreams of grandeur, dreams of greatness, dreams of prosperity, dreams of greatness. God gives you a dream, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. You may say, well, what's going on? Here's the point. God is preparing you to handle the greatness he wants to give you. Do you know that the promise that God has for you, the promises that he has and the great things he has for you are so great that if you do not have the character to go along with what he has, it will destroy you. The most important thing, there's times we have to walk by faith and what that means is that God will begin to work with you in phases or stages. I'll never forget, 25 years before my wife and I ever became pastors, not that that's the pinnacle for everybody, but for us, it, we felt the call of God to, call, to be pastors. My wife and I had to go through stages of development where the Lord was teaching us. And I remember started working with my father as a carpenter, living by faith. And I remember working for my dad was the hardest thing. My dad was not easy. He was not a teacher. He was not a communicator. And I was pulling my hair out, trying to understand, Lord, I need a job, and I, the only job I can get is working with my dad as a carpenter's helper. And he was not a good teacher. And I did not like him. And my dad would have a temper, and he'd call me names. There was times those are in those years. And I remember I'd come home, and I told my wife, I quit. I cannot work with my dad. And my wife would say, God's up to something. God's up to something. God's working, Ray. It's all part of the fulfillment. He's, all, he's preparing you for great things. No, it can't be. It can't be. I rebuke that thought. It can't be God. I wonder if that's what Joseph felt when he was in the house of Potiphar. I wonder if he tried to do what some spirit-filled Christians try to do in the name of Jesus. Lord, just bring the camel train back and send me home to Papa. No, the camel train didn't come back. He was left in prison. And for 15, 16 years, his youth was stolen. He never saw his brother Benjamin, his father whom he loved, who gave him the colored coat. He never saw his other brothers. And you would think, boy, if there was a reason for a guy to be angry and bitter and upset, it would be Joseph. But Joseph was strong, and he endured, and this is the reason why. He had a dream. The dream is what keeps you when you're walking through the fire. It's the dream that sustains you. Everyone needs a dream. Everyone needs a vision. God didn't say that you're going to go from the promise to the promised land overnight. 
you're going to walk through some phases. You're going to go through some stages. And as we learn to walk through these different stages, what he's doing, he's preparing you to handle the greatness he's going to give you. Amen? Amen? But sometimes, sometimes we as believers, like the clay, we jump off the potter's wheel because we want a, we want a shortcut. Don't take the shortcut. Shortcuts, let me tell you what a shortcut is. A shortcut is just jumping ship, running, trying to find relief. You don't, you don't want to do that. You want to stay where God has you. You want, to, you want to be where God has you. And you say, Lord, I don't understand. You gave me some dreams. You gave me a promise. But I'm, I'm in a situation where I don't understand. He knows that. He's not playing games with you. What he's really doing, he's preparing you for greatness. What Joseph said to his brothers, he says, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good, so that I may save many people. It's interesting, the testimony of Pharaoh, Pharaoh to Joseph. The Bible says that Pharaoh looked at Joseph as a father. The Bible says that Pharaoh saw Joseph as a father to him. That's how much influence and that's how much grace that Joseph had. But God had brought him through those years and was preparing him for promotion. Amen? Amen. We live by faith. We live by faith. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Maybe this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor Ray, I, I know the Lord has given me a dream. I know the Lord has given me a word. And I, I, I want to make a shift today. I, I feel the Lord wants me to begin to think supernaturally, to begin to think radically. And I know that I've got, I, I've been, I have been too much in control and I need to surrender control. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. I've been in control. I need to surrender that control. If that's you this morning, anyone else? Anyone else? I just need to surrender those things. It's not that you're bad. doesn't mean you're backslidden at all. Actually, you're right on track. God's preparing you for something that is so awesome. My Bible says all things work together for good. All things. It didn't say some things. All things. And you know what? He's working all things. Even in our nation. I don't like what things are going on in our nation. But my Bible says all things are going to work together for good. Isaiah 2 says that every nation, in every nation, every tribe, that all the nations shall flow to the mountain of the house of the Lord and they will teach us His ways and we will walk in His paths. God says that Zion in the last days will be exalted among the hills. He's talking about the church. And I want you to know that today is our day to arise and shine. We're not going to arise and sit and be depressed. We're going to shine. New life, it's time to shine. It's time to shine with faith. It's time to shine with vision. It's time to talk like that woman with the issue of blood. Realizing, I believe I can receive healing. I receive that life. I receive the love of God today. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? If you'd like to come down for prayer or ministry, I want you to come. We're going to anoint you, pray with you. Maybe this morning you need someone just to lay hands and you need just an impartation of peace. I felt this morning there's somebody 
you've come to a crossroads in your life and you're, you're desperate and you need a word from the Lord, there's been some real seasons of dryness, dry times in your life and you just need the refreshing touch of His presence. I want you to come down here and just let us pray and minister over you this morning. I want you to know the Lord wants to minister love to you. He wants to minister His grace and goodness to you. There's also someone here this morning, the enemy has assaulted you with condemnation. He's told you that you're no good, that you've gone beyond the point of no return, and I'm here to tell you prophetically that God's grace is greater than any sin or any problem that you have in your life. Where sin abounds, His grace, God has not given up on you. He comes this morning to just overflow. Amen. Overflow. Just a new sense of joy. A new sense of joy. A new beginning. Oh, woman of God. A new beginning. I feel like the Lord is closing one curtain and He's opening another curtain for you. And that curtain is going to be just... I, I see a room full of flowers. Just blue sky. It's like the Lord is opening a room that's going to have an aroma and you're going to sense a, a peace and joy and sense the favor of the Lord. The Lord loves you with an everlasting love. His banner over you is kindness and love. Amen. He has not abandoned you. Amen. Fresh joy. No longer a wilted plant. You're going to be just like a blossoming fruit tree. Blossoming in the garden of the living God. Amen. Amen. Keep singing. Keep singing the songs of Zion. <laughs> Amen. The Lord sees your prayer. Wow, you are a mountain-moving, giant-killing woman. Wow. You got a sling on you that knows how to bring giants down. Your confession of faith moves strongholds. It binds the powers of darkness. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking and declaring the promises of God. For the promises of God are yes and amen. Yes and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's... Yeah. Thank you.